This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladensami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It's Saturday morning, and this weekend on America's Roundtable, Natasha Serdoch and I are delighted to welcome former U.S. Congressman Dave Brad, who represented Virginia's 7th District. And while in Congress, Dr. Dave Brad served on the Budget, Education, and Small Business Committees, and he chaired the Subcommittee on Economic Growth, Tax, and Capital Access. He was a member of the Virginia Board of Accountancy and served as president of the Virginia Association of Economists. And he was also an economic consultant with Arthur Anderson and the World Bank. Brad joined Liberty University as Dean of the School of Business, and the former congressman now serves as Vice Provost of Engagement and Public Relations and a distinguished member of the International Leaders Summit's Executive Advisory Board. And without any further delay, we welcome our distinguished guest, Congressman Dave Brad. Good morning and welcome, Congressman Brad. Welcome, Congressman Brad. Hey, great to be on with the most positive couple on the earth. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Dave, economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal this past week estimated that the U.S. economy grew at 2% annual rate in the second quarter, which is the same growth rate as in the first quarter of this year. Yeah. And when we look at our GDP, consumer spending, which accounts for two-thirds of the gross domestic product, has been the main driver of the GDP growth. The wages have caught up with inflation and the growth of real wages has boosted consumer spending. Annual inflation eased. Co-inflation without measuring volatile food and energy prices increased by 4.8% in June compared to 5.92% in June 2022. And due to the fact that the economic activity hasn't slowed down as much as anticipated, the Fed raised the benchmark federal funds rate by 0.25% this past week to a range between 5.25 and 5.5%, which is a 22-year high. Uh, Dave, can you kindly analyze these data for us? Yep. And what can we expect in the future? Further economic growth or recession? Well, it's all related. I'll get to the forecast in a minute. And so uh, right off the bat, uh, there's some crazy stuff going on, right? The GDP number's up like 2%. But GDI, gross domestic income, which is supposed to measure the same thing, those two numbers should be equal. That's down 2%. And they have to reconcile those numbers hmm. over the long term. So something is going on here. I, I just don't buy the entire story. And then on the inflation front, uh, it's going to be interesting because everybody knows when you go out to the supermarket right now and you buy a few apples and plums and vegetables and whatever, you're basically bankrupt. I mean, the, the prices are still through the roof. And so there's something fishy going on there, too. And I think what's going to happen, and I think the reason the Fed is still raising rates is because uh, all the workers are still paying these higher prices. And their their employers now are having to 
look at wage increases, right? And so that that will cause wage inflation uh, when the wages have to catch up to the prices, right? The prices definitely went up, you know, 9% last year. And it, and the, the workers are going, well, what's going on here? And uh, I, need, I need a raise, right? And so I, I think one of the reasons the Fed is tamping things down still by raising rates, right? They're trying to slow things down is they're seeing something in there. And it's probably that on, on the wage front. And then as to the forecasts, I mean, I've been wrong for two years because I, I could not properly estimate the amount of incompetence out of D.C. It's just stunning, right? So you still got about eight and a half trillion dollars on the Federal Reserve balance sheet. Uh, and it, it had, you know, the, the economists aren't doing a good job on, on the stimulative effects of that. How stimulative is that? You know, if you pare it down, which they were, uh, that takes away some stimulus uh, because you saw the uh, credit crisis emerge with Silicon Bank, et cetera. Now we just put together about $14 trillion in government spending for the next two years, right? $7 trillion budgets. So when we were throwing money at everybody with checks for businesses and, and people in COVID, that was the COVID economy. And everybody thought, well, the seven trillion is just for that emergency, global emergency. It'll surely come back down to five trillion. No. And the Republicans just validated it. It was stunning. McCarthy goes up to the White House and says, no, let's just keep spending seven trillion a year with all the liberal uh, green policies and leftist uh, woke stuff built in as well. And so, you know, it's very hard to do economic forecasts when they just keep throwing stimulus. The real economy, I still think, is very weak. There's strong evidence, the best guy on uh, productivity in the world. Uh, productivity has been going down for 40 years in a row, down, 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 down. And the best proxy for productivity is just picture your K-12 to education. Are those kids being prepared uh, for mathematics and science and whatever on average across all of our American cities? And everybody knows, of course, the answer is no. And so what you have and what what clouds a lot of it is the stock market, right? The rich are getting very, very rich, uh, but the distribution of income is always ignored. The liberals have disappeared, right? The liberals used to care about the poor and the workers and the unions. They're gone. Now you got a bunch of Marxist language calling everybody names and uh, and trying to tank companies and whatever. And so uh, I, I do not have a positive forecast. I think if you look at the fundamentals, the markets are overvalued. Uh, if you look at productivity, uh, the GDP, you can keep juicing it with government spending. But all the economic studies show uh, after you do government spending, it's not productive. It's not right. like the private sector. Right. And so you're going to pay the price eventually. And the more you fake out uh, the economy, the bigger the price is going to be. And so that's roughly where I stand right now. And what you're saying is being reflected in the polls, Congressman Brad. In the latest Real Clear Politics Average, Mr. Biden's approval rating on the economy is 38.3% in comparison to the previous administration. In May 2019, President Trump's approval at that stage of handling the economy was at 51%. And Congressman Brad, from your vantage point, how would you describe uh, what's transpiring in the House of Representatives and specifically the majority's efforts? What would you place on their report card on the economy first and on border security? How are they doing? Oh, on the economy, it's just an F. Total failure across the board. We don't have any responsible adults, right? There's a lot of new data out on 
after we got off the gold standard, we lost our minds, right? And so having a fiat currency like we have right now, you can just print money and that's what they're doing. We're borrowing money so that we can go to war against Russia and, and weaken ourselves when China is the problem. And, and it's all related, right. right? The way you lose your reserve currency and your empire, you're right? The British lost their empire because they, they won World War I and World War II and lost their empire, right? Because wars are costly. You're using resources crazy. So the, I give them all an F across the board. On the border security issue, which is really affecting all of us. Yeah, they all get an F. They all get an F there, too. There's an open border invasion that's killing people. Uh, there's children, right, being trafficked. And this, you know, just goes by as a phrase, right, without picturing it. You know, this new Sound of Freedom movie, everybody ought to go see that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's horrific on a, on a uh, Christian moral front. It, 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 if there's a few kids in that case, that, that's modern day slavery. That's even more grotesque because of go, what goes along with it, which I won't get into. Uh, but everybody in this country ought to be working on shutting down that border. And then you got the fentanyl and the drugs coming across it. And, you know, there's this, this is a billionaire's game these days. Billionaires are running the uh, the crime syndicates down there at the border. Billionaires, multi-billionaires are running all the monopolies in our economy. And it's all related. And the American people are getting squashed, like you said. So the poll numbers show that. Hopefully there's a political realignment along a populist front that combines uh, Republicans and the old liberals. RFK Jr. has shown some promise. Hmm. And he appears to speak the truth <clears throat> on a wide uh, range of issues. And so having Democrats liking him, and I think they do, I think his favorabilities are very high. He's very likable. And uh, if he sticks to his knitting, his book, I thought, was just profound. I read a chapter. Everybody ought to read chapter nine to the end of that book. He is no friend of the CIA for obvious reasons with his family and the FBI and the Justice Department, a bunch of crooks. And so uh, there, there's my analysis of uh, politics and economics in 30 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, let's transition uh, briefly to the global stage, yeah. uh, specifically when observing China. Yeah. And we have seen a surrendering of U.S. leadership. So America's leadership is in decline. Uh, the recent visits of President Biden's top officials, uh, such as Blinken visiting Beijing, is being described by Chinese officials that the U.S. was most eager to meet. Then John Kerry spent several days in China, and the New York Times headline stated, China's Xi rebuffs Kerry's call for faster climate action. Mm -hmm. And the New York Times states, I quote, in fact, the Chinese president Xi Jinping insisted in a speech that China would pursue its goals to phase out carbon dioxide pollution at its own pace and its own mm -hmm. way, unquote. Yeah. America's administration under President Biden basically dropped the Abraham Accords enlargement and let China broker a reconciliation agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia during the meeting in Beijing in March. And Dave, uh, taking into consideration that President Biden and his family has been reportedly receiving funds from communist China state-owned entities, shouldn't Americans be concerned about this administration, which is facilitating the growing influence of an emboldened China? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the number one existential threat uh, to the United States of America. And of course, China says, well, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And the uh, the U.S. kowtows to China, right? Because we want to make every last nickel of profits we can uh, before everything implodes. And everybody knows it's going to implode, right? That that uh, first island chain uh, that Taiwan is in, 
with with Thailand and the Philippines and Korea and Australia, not that far off, should be the the center of attention uh, because it's it's not just Taiwan and chips. It's the it's the entire South China Sea sea lanes. The strategic value of that mm. all half to eighty percent of world trade goes through there. It's unbelievably important. And China's been buzzing our planes and our ships and being aggressive. And not a word because we don't want to upset the apple cart. But I think it's coming. I think China itself is imploding mm. uh, for a bunch of reasons. Number one is the demographics, but they got mm. bubbles and real estate problems mm. and and kid problems and culture problems on their hands, too. Uh, and so it's just a matter of this two or three year race uh, with Taiwan. Uh, in five or 10 years, I think China's uh, going to be weakening itself. And so, yeah, in the other countries, there's plenty of evidence. The BRICS uh, countries are getting together and, and you got some weird alliances, right? When you got the Saudis and the Iranians and the Iraqis coming to the table together, mm. you know, something bizarre is going on. And, you know, the U.S. has messed it up big time. And so we've messed it up big time. We 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 flexed our muscle with a currency and did the sh- sanctions and kicked uh, Russia off a of swift. And it hadn't hurt them at all. And uh, what it did was show the rest of the world uh, that not only are we profligate with our currency, which has been devalued since 71, uh, but we brought the rest of the world along for the ride. We, we, we share our inflation with the rest of the world. Uh, we, we are the reserve currency. We get to print money. Uh, the other countries have to go along for the ride. And, uh, and if we jack our interest rates up 5% and it hurts their debt position, who cares? And so they're rightfully saying, uh, we're not sure if you got our backs. And then they look at the Ukrainian Christian kids who are being slaughtered. Uh, and our Taiwanese are saying, this is what it looks like when the U.S. has your back. Mm. You got to be kidding me. And I'm not for the war. We never should have gone in. Right. Ukraine should be a buffer state. They were getting rich. They had democracy. They were doing fine. We should have been their friend, uh, but poking the Russian bear when they, they told us, right? Mearsheimer has told us this back to 08. And then 14, he repeated it with Crimea and he's repeated it again and again. And he's the smartest guy in the world on that stuff. And so, yeah, the global, uh, it's U.S. weakness. Uh, it, it's it's uh, taking away from the most important thing we should be doing, which is deterrence. Uh, we should be strong, sending signals to China. Uh, that we're not going to tolerate, et cetera. And we should be decoupling with them I- immediately, in my view, uh, I- until they play the same game that the rest of us have to play, right? If you want to come to our universities, you let us in. If you want to come make movies here, we get to make movies there. Mm, right, reciprocity, yeah. Right, reciprocity. And mm-hmm. so that's a, it's a fraud. Uh, we've been doing it for greed, uh, just for the top, right? 10% of our people own 90% of the stocks. Mm. We're not doing any of this for the uh, American people. And the cheap goods ain't worth it. I wish Americans were making this stuff instead. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Dave, uh, while we were in Israel for the 5th Jerusalem Leaders Summit, we observed how the Biden administration was undermining a duly elected Israeli government. Yeah. And in fact, they're now attacking Israel's government for its judicial reforms. And, and this is certainly unwelcomed by Israel's majority. What is your message to the Biden White House attacking Israel's duly elected government? And what would you say to our friends in Israel who really appreciate the strategic U.S.-Israel partnership? Well, it's a great question. I think at, at the foundational level, uh, it, it's important for the U.S. And, and Israel to be friends on the on the the main point. And the main point we're friends with Israel is because of God. 
And that has been lost over the last 50 years, right? And uh, if, if, if we restore that relationship between the people of the United States who stand clearly in the Judeo-Christian West, right? The, the story of the, of the United States is the story of Christianity. Same with Western Europe, et cetera. It, it's all a Christian, a Judeo-Christian story. And so they've been our friends. Uh, they're not just a, uh, an aircraft carrier in the Middle East. And uh, we ought to treat them that way. Uh, and so uh, the, the Biden administration dislikes anyone who won't go along with the Biden administration's agenda. It's just always that symbol. And that's a far left agenda. Israel is, is, is too small and too smart uh, to be that stupid, right? Israel knows what they have to do for their own mm. national sovereignty, uh, et cetera. And they should not be listening to the Biden regime, uh, who's gotten way far left, right? And these, these political views are just my own. Absolutely. And so what we need to restore the, uh, the, the dialogue with Israel along the most fundamental lines and get that straight and, uh, and spread that throughout the uh, United States of America. Uh, to show the importance, right, of uh, the Judeo-Christian friendship and relationship uh, through the centuries. And to just uh, capture this moment here, congratulations are in order on your new top position at Liberty University as Vice Provost for Engagement and Public Relations. What's new at Liberty? And could you give us a summary of the upcoming CEO Summit at yep. Liberty University? Yep. Thanks for the kind words, you guys. And uh, CEO Summit is October 10 to 12. Uh, we're going to have major uh, world leaders with us. Uh, Pompeo's coming in. Rand Paul's coming in. C CEOs from uh, Coca-Cola, Lowe's. Uh, we got Andy Puzder, a major uh, CEO and, and thought leader. Uh, I love listening to him. There's just, we got great, uh, great keynotes and then tons of CEO panels on everything, defense and, and uh, the law, the Supreme Court, personal finance, ESG, the woke stuff. Uh, everything. We're going to cover all the bases, everything that's important for CEOs. So if you can encourage your CEOs or your C-suite folks, uh, this is a place uh, for friends and faith to come together and uh, share win-win opportunities. And uh, the folks in this room can move the needle at the at the world level. And so encourage your CEOs uh, to email me at dabrat at liberty.edu. CEOs and uh, C-suite uh, or, you know, if you're a small business owner, you're on a law firm practice, et cetera, that kind of thing, you're welcome uh, to, to come as well. Love to have you at Liberty. Wonderful. And once people come to Liberty, they cannot believe their eyes. And so uh, come take a look. And we thank you so much for giving us that special sure. tour. And we'll certainly oh, yeah. encourage others to get involved. Good. Thank you so much, Congressman Bratt, for joining us on America's Roundtable. We appreciate your continued leadership on the vital fronts of our day. Thank you, Congressman Brad. Thank you guys very much. Great to be with you. God bless everybody. God bless. God bless. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladensami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at America's RT. 
We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Thank you.